0: And uh, we seek you in spirit, we seek you in truth, and we, we pray for your courage and your strength and your love to abide in the things that we say and do. And uh, especially with me, I can become impassioned, and and but I do want to love above all things, all people, all the time. Pray you'll be with uh, Mary and I as we uh, talk uh, the first HOTM 2.0 tonight, and then as we move on into the year and years to come, that you will be with Mary. Uh, uh, her you'll be with our audience you'll be with all people who love you and all people who are seeking you and and lord even those who aren't that uh, they will come to know you lord we pray for this in jesus name we're thankful for also our our volunteers and they do so much to keep things going they're struggling to manage all this craziness around them and they do such a good job so we're, we're grateful for them and and uh, in jesus name amen amen so a number of you have wondered why Mary wasn't included on the interview shows that we did. Come here, act like you love me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's been a tough one. Hey, you know, I, I just noticed Mary's favorite word to me is up uh, on the board. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, we, we had a problem with scheduling, and so we, we tried to fit people in, and she, being Mary, kept saying, just put them on, let them go on, let them go on. And that's how she's been as a wife and mother, always accommodating and uh, trying to serve others behind the scenes. And uh, that's the way what all good women, women are really great at, you know, as mothers doing that. And so her interview will be up in the archive shortly, as soon as we can get it to Seth. And I recommend you watch it uh, as we are here kicking off HOTM 2.0. But I want to especially give thanks, I didn't do this last week, to Mary and my daughters. Um for all they've done to get us, especially me, to this point, to this place where we stand tonight, a place where we'll get to in short order. Uh, I'm not so sure people really understand the trip these girls have had to take. And uh, (laughs) uh, what they have, uh, I do what I do relentlessly, relentlessly, they live with it. If it doesn't have to do with this subject, I'm just like, yeah, okay, (laughs) left, next, (laughs) underwear, clean. (laughs) By, but it has to do this subject. I'm very impassive. They've had to live with that, and uh, they've watched all material stability. uh, Many other families might enjoy. People who are pastors in 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 ministries know that's not what this is about, and uh, they've watched that evaporate. And often because I we just make bad decisions sometimes, and I refuse to back down. I'm just I'm not going to back down to what's accepted just because it's, it's accepted. I want to back down where God tells me, that is not right, Sean, you are wrong. And I will on that. So they've stood in the wings while I've been in the spotlight. They've had to swallow venom cast at me, and uh, which is much harder than to have the venom cast at you yourself, to watch someone you love have venom cast at you. And they have served the ministry, dealt with my absence. Um, I uh, I can't thank Mary, Cassidy, Delaney, Mallory enough. Uh, for their support and it's one thing to be a pastor's wife a uh, very difficult job that comes with its own difficulties uh, and that's even when a pastor is set in what they stand for and believe imagine being a pastor's wife where he changes things on you <laughs> and you're like oh wait a what's this you're talking about now and that has happened so many times uh, entirely different monster for that um, so instead of having Mary on at the end of the former shows, which we ended last week, I wanted to have her launch the new, uh, and we're, uh, t- we're, we're launching out at a place where I think we finally landed. And the earnest searching and churning and wondering and fighting, and the, I, I don't have much anymore. I am satisfied with the conclusions uh, which I think are defensible by the Holy Spirit, contextually read, understood, and used with patience to, with other people. I am pleased with what God has uh, given all people, and so thank you, Maria, for uh, all of it and for launching the show off tonight. Thank you. Love you too. Love you. I want to take you back to three events in history. Two are world-renowned and one pretty much uh, obscure. Uh, The first happened 100 years ago this month. They called it the 10 days in October. Very powerful days in October of 1917. Uh, For 300 years, the ruling family in Russia were the Romanovs or the Romanovs, depending on where you come from. And they were uh, an ostentatious class of people. They, they ruled with blood and horror. They were above everybody else. But they were also really good at empire building. And they, uh, like Peter the Great, built St. Petersburg, uh, which is, is not lesser than Versailles. It is a, an amazing place. And uh, it made, like, Joseph Smith's Nauvoo look like a, a peasant's gathering. Uh, this is some amazing stuff. In the same period when Smith was doing his deal, but uh, Peter the Great, Catherine the Great, Nicholas, Alexander, all the Romanovs, uh, they, ha- they were some bad people, and they built those cities on the bones of the serfs. And over time, you know, you can only get away with that for so long before the peasants start to say, enough of this. And that's what happened 100 years ago this month. There was an uprising and uh in the end just to summarize uh this guy who watched the czars of russia the romanovs put his brother to death while he was in math class got really angry at that and he rose up and he said we're doing something about it and his name was lenin and lenin uh, led this group called the bolsheviks and they came in and they said no more no more of this romanov family rule of putting us under oppression and building cities on the bones of our people You're going to die, and that's what they did. They killed him, uh, unfortunately. Um, But unfortunately, the solution that Lenin offered was, uh, which was communism, Marxist communism, was not a real tremendous improvement uh, over what the czars brought to Russia during their reign. And so that was 100 years ago uh, this month. Uh, Historical event number two, you all know about it. You're seeing it everywhere. It's celebrated, not necessarily was, but is celebrated uh, as happening on this very day, October 31st, nearly 500 years ago. I didn't pick this day. I said October 31st is when we're going to launch the new show. I then uh, read that it was this day that Luther, Martin Luther, uh, not uh, armed with a Bolshevik army like Lenin, but tired of the power and the manipulation of um, the Roman Catholic Church, he went and he nailed his 95 thesis, we know the story, his complaints to a church door in Wittenberg, Germany, and that was the beginning, the birth of the Protestant Reformation. (coughs) Unfortunately, as with Lenin and the the Bolsheviks overrunning uh, Tsarist Russia, Uh, almost 400 years earlier, what Luther, I mean later, what Luther and his uh, accomplices offered in place of Roman Catholicism and its abuse was insufficient. And uh, it failed to truly liberate people from the power, control, and demands of religion. It did not do it. Uh, Luther and perhaps even Lenin may have meant well Uh, but they did not possess the overall best approach at that time to replace all that they stood against. And Christianity, along with Russia, has suffered as a result from them failing to truly reform. Now, what's interesting about uh, that is that um, we today walk about in the Protestant community as if Luther and Zwingli and Calvin were the Joseph Smiths of our faith. And they received revelation that just should not be touched. And and everything that they did was right. And we walk about as if there's no need for any other revision, as if what they did was the end all of revisions. It's not true. There, God says nothing about all revisions needing to end with Luther and the Reformation. In fact, there is revisions that have, are sitting there in the body of the book that tell us how the faith should be lived. That the Protestant Reformation did not eradicate and we, they just live by these rules that are archaic. They live by these approaches that are not biblical when we look at the context. The third historical event, Historical to me, and not to many others, is what I call the great pause in my life. Let me explain it by going to the board as a means to help me justify the bold claims I'm going to make hereafter. Claims that on the surface are going to make you say, oh, no, 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 no. But they are no more bold than the bolsheviks claims they're no more bold than luther's 95 thesis they're no more bold than jesus christ claims to the jews of his day i'm not in the character of any of them i don't claim to be or am not but i do want truth and so i will be bold in the face of the truths that are not being taught and looked at seriously in the churches today, especially in America, and especially here in in most churches here in Utah. So, and here's the thing. There's two ways, essentially, that people respond to, to new ideas. The first one is to automatically reject them as being crazy, person's loopy, person's out of their mind, criticize the person making it, kill them with their reputation or physically, And this reaction is the reaction of zealots and uh, dogmatists and religionists and defenders of tradition. That's what they do. When it comes to the faith, believers today think, for some ridiculous reason, that the traditions tell us everything. Not true. So the second general response is a view where people will say, well, that's kind of weird. Or interesting or frightening or good let's see if it holds water let's see if the bold claim I'm listening to here can be substantiated by what your imagination your feelings no your intellect no can the claim be substantiated by the Word of God not with trickery just by what it says in context can it be Seekers of truth, seekers of Jesus, the Anabaptists, as to name some, people like that, they have done this along the way. They have said, yeah, Catholic Church, Protestant uh, Reformation, no, 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 we believe this. Oh, yeah, let's burn you at the stake. They have said, I'm going to believe what I have discovered to be true, no matter what everyone else is doing, no matter what the traditions say. I'm going to continue to pursue Christ as I know him and live him as I know him to be. And they always have suffered him and snuffed out by the masses because majority rule is the worst form of rule when you really think about it because the masses are dumbed down and they don't take the time to look and and they just kind of go along, just look at the condition of most mass opinion today in our world. So I am calling to seekers to not hear but to test and challenge everything that they will hear on Heart of the Matter 2.0 from now on out. Don't give these bold professions lip service. Don't fall to the temptation to just write me off as a lunatic or a cult leader or dangerous. I heard that one today. Just say I'm suspect, but like I was when I was Mormon and I was suspect and you brought things to my attention and I challenged them and discovered them to be true. Try the same thing here. That's all I'm asking you to do. I've never asked anybody to trust me, never. I am a fallible failure of a man. I I say that all the time. Give me the chance, I'll kill your dog and steal your wife. (laughs) This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about what proofs do we have from the Bible that will support the claims I'm making. But I want to go to the board right now and explain something that I call the big pause. Okay, so October 1961, uh, the month and year I was born through January 2001, lived, learned the LDS ways, the culture, doctrine, 40 years of my life, Uh, served the mission, uh, went to the temple, elders quorum, high priest, stake high council, bishopric, early morning seminary teacher, three years, essentially knew the doctrine pretty well, knew the practices pretty well, and knew something was off. And so that takes us to this first that's the number one right there excuse my writing And this is the first segment that is leading to the big pause. We're getting to the point of the big pause. And that's my early life as an LDS member. Then, on August 1997, and uh, through January 2001 those are the dates up there four years, Jesus enters my life through a roadside experience. Uh, saves me from myself, essentially, and remained LDS for another four years, uh, examined the faith uh, with a regenerated heart as a Mormon in the pews, but now with Jesus working on me by the Spirit and my flesh still being Mormon, tried to reach my LDS family and friends while I was in that state, and uh, on the inside to no avail. I was asked Uh, I asked to be excommunicated in 2001. So that's the excommunication year and uh, put me into a whole new area of life. January of 1998 to June of 2006, I was tutored and discipled by three main sets of Christian friends in Southern California. Uh, I entered into Calvary Chapel School of Ministry with uh, full time in 2005. And there, uh, two years to learn the Bible, I went through the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, with Chuck Smith, and twice, two in those two years, I went through the entire Bible. That's how heavy it was in studying the Bible and hearing especially about his views on eschatology. When I came out, I was a futurist, died in the wool, forget about it. I didn't question anymore. I didn't need to. I knew it was right because that's what the Bible said to me. And so I taught that and believed it to be true. Um, after uh, Calvary Chapel School of Ministry, I had a, that's how I saw the faith, through the Calvary Chapel way. And it's a good way. And there are better ways and there are worse ways, but it's a good way. And I'm always grateful for that Smith. I started off with this Smith, Joseph Smith, and went to Chuck Smith. And uh, the Smiths were working on me, like Smiths, Smiths working on me, pounding stuff in anatomy. Then we move to here, January of 98, 2006. Wait, this was 2001, right? Yeah, here's Calvary Chapel. Now having learned the Bible, we're over here now, I wrote a book called Born Again Mormon and uh, started an online ministry. I was invited to do a show here in Salt Lake City uh, with Greg Johnson. Greg Johnson is a calls himself a Reverend, and Reverend Greg Johnson kind of shepherds many of the church leaders in the area. And he had me on a show that he was on, and, and my pitch was: if you're LDS, whatever who cares, stay LDS we would say, and just have you been born again? Have you come to know who Jesus is through spiritual regeneration? There was a huge response to that and the owner manager of the station said, do you wanna do your own show? And that took, takes us to March of 2006. First live show, uh, weekly calling, out the LDS institution more than just the people mostly the institution uh, for its deceptions and for putting people in religious bondage I believed I had a call on my life all the way back here to when uh, Jesus reached me in 97 I believed I had a call on my life to reach the LDS and to help free them from the bondage of religion Anybody who knows anything about Mormonism or has ever been LDS knows that it is a prison. And so when I came to Utah every week to do the show, it was to liberate people from that prison called Mormonism. And if you go back and you listen, and Wendy does this because she, she dices up the shows, she says, you haven't changed. I haven't changed. <laughs> people say, you've changed so much. She says, I haven't changed. It's always been. Have you been born again? Do you know Jesus? Who cares what church you go to? That's that was my message then. Twenty-two thousand minutes, on-air minutes, with half of them of my responding to live questions from people, often trying to trap, often antagonistic. Very successful show. It was it was worldwide because of the timing with the internet, and uh, tens of thousands. Uh, reached, and hundreds of thousands have seen the show, if not more, and it was a blessing. It was great. Let's drop down to here, December of 2012. So I've been going at it since uh, March of 2006 through December of 2012, the last box. December of 2012, I was burned out. I felt like I have talked about everything that has to do with Mormonism. How many times can I talk about the way the Book of Mormon was created, and all this stuff. And I was essentially burning out. And I just had it on my heart to take a break. So we just announced to people on TV, and we announced to people at the Bible study up at the university, take a month off. So December of 2012, we took a month off. And my wife and I, we decided to go to the 10 largest Christian churches in the Salt Lake, Ogden area. We didn't get up into Logan. We didn't get down past... uh, the point of the mountain. We just were kind of in that area, and uh, we started to visit, and I took a notepad with me. Now, remember, I'd come from Calvary Chapel, but while I was in school of ministry, all I did was essentially learn about the Bible through Chuck Smith's eyes and other people who were Calvary Chapel, but my engagement with the church community in there was very limited to just service in the front office while their church meetings were going on. I've heard the preaching but I was never involved in church and how it was done. So I really went from being a Mormon to being taught how to be a Christian through the Bible, but never experiencing practice, never really experiencing too much worship and music and culture. I, I just didn't know it. And, uh, and so 2012, it's, we decided to go, and what I witnessed, uh, pissed me off. It just pissed me off because we had been reaching for seven years people and telling them we didn't, we didn't have a follow-up. We just, I just trusted. Hey, listen, just find a good Bible teaching church. Just go out and some you won't like and some you will, all that stuff doesn't matter, but just find one that teaches the Bible and go. So I go and I'm expecting these churches are going to be teaching the Bible. We did not find that one out of the 10 the guy actually taught through a section of Matthew, and it was the section, actually it was of Luke, of Christ's birth because it was Christmas time. And that was what he did, is he used that and it was good. But every other one of them, let me tell you something. It was a freaking show. And besides being a show where two-thirds of the time was spent on agenda items, money gathering, and worship, two-thirds of it. When the pastor actually, absolutely, finally got up to teach or speak, it was all anecdotal stories about his recent ski trip with his little son. And what he did here, ho, oh, ho, 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 and everyone laughing. And I'm like, you're sick and freaks. This is disgusting. We are here to get people to come to the Lord We pull them out of Mormonism and they stumble into your freaking churches where you've got donation boxes everywhere. You're preaching tithing. You're doing fog shows for your worship and you're not even teaching the word of God to them. You effers. It pissed me off. This was not right. So obviously impassioned, January 1st. Opening up on the show, Heart of the Matter, I say, listen, I, I just, I'm, I'm really an idiot. I'm not a strategist. I don't care about strategy. Planning, I don't care. I just believe to go about what is honestly within you. I honestly experienced horrors in December, so January 1, to our audience, why, they would understand, well, let me tell you what I saw. One show. Greg Johnson, the reverend, gets all the pastors he can muster to call in and get me off that that station as soon as possible. Seven years I'm ripping on Mormons, seven full years, and they, they can't get me off the air. And one week of saying I'm going after the Christian churches with the same gusto and the same passion that I did Mormonism, five days later, Greg Johnson gets me kicked off that air. Now, he sent an email out that someone secretly sent to me. I haven't revealed any of this. It said, I'm happy to report that Sean McCraney will never be on TV again in Utah. End quote. One show, not liking it. Why would Greg Reverend Johnson do that? Well, a, few, a year earlier, he was really behind and got taken back to Washington, D.C. to be sitting on the council with with President Romney, future president-elect. And Sean McCraney said, no, that's not good. So Johnson hates McCraney, and he finally gets me off the air. It was political. So he was correct. I never got back on TV again in the state of Utah. In time, our ministry would be removed from all big-name... stations around the country. We were on several and then from any radio and not allowed to to do anything really and it was a time where I was like taken back This time I believed was in the control of these pastors and the politicking and the Reverend Johnson and the Terry Longs and the oh, the other ones who are all in such power and control Of Christianity in the state. I believe that they were the ones in charge, but no, it wasn't them at all. It was this other guy named God. What he did was he said, McCraney, you got ticked off, and what you saw, and what you were gonna do is go after those problems without ammunition. You're just gonna go and and just rail against concerts and rail against ad hominem stories and rail against not teaching and just la, 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 and just do that on. No, I don't think so. Pause button. He hit the pause button. Johnson thought he was doing something evil toward me when actually he did something good. And so, stunned by the reaction of everything around us, try to step in my shoes. We're in a desert. Everything is gone. And the first nail in my modern Christian coffin were the local leaders killing my reputation. And they did. Dead. I contributed to it. Because, stupid me, no strategy, I don't understand the Trinity the way you're teaching it. I'm just going to say it. I still will say that. Oh, no, no, no. Then they had more ammunition to kill, the one who speaks out against their institution. And they did. So we built a church studio, and Mary and I subsidized the ministry for years and got the equipment. She paid for it from money her parents left her, and we sought God fervently. And I get books all the time by people, and I rarely read them. I'm sorry, but I just don't. I don't have time or inclination. Someone from Canada sent me a book. I didn't know this person. They said, read it. It was called Christianity's Greatest Dilemma. It was on eschatology. And the opening paragraphs tell me that this author of this book is teaching completely different view than Chuck Smith had taught me, that I had gotten from Calvary Chapel, that I studied through the Bible twice To understand and when I saw that I said there's no way this guy is wrong there's no way and it got me to read the book and challenge it he was right he was dead right people don't want to hear it people don't want the truth they don't want something that's going to upset the apple cart and they don't want the heat that comes down the pike when they take a stance they don't pastors especially so they tow the party line because that's what keeps the thing moving. God says, you're on the pause button, buddy. Learn about why the churches are off. Learn about what is missing from the pulpit, from the elders' boards, from the whole thing, from perspectives you've never considered. Here's a book from a guy in Canada you don't even know. Read this one. The next one was called God's Greatest Secret. Handed to me in a in a JB's. I'm like, no way, I read the premise. This is BS. What was it? It was about eternal punishment. No way. Look at, let me tell you something. If I know one thing, that's for sure, hell's eternal. And people burn there. And let me tell you something. I know that. I've studied it. Yeah, really? Here's this thick book. Go through it. I go through it. I'm dead wrong. Dead wrong again. Oh, of course, online the pastors get to say McCraney teaches there's no hell. McCraney doesn't believe in the Trinity. McCraney teaches there's no second coming. La, 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 la. Why? Because it's convenient, the little cowards that they are. Well, it's now October 31st. For 4.84 years, for 1,764 days every day, for 42,336 hours till this night I have been preparing for why they're wrong. Not just that they're wrong, but why they're wrong. I'll stand with any of them. Sit down, let them come and say their rhetoric. Let's open up the Bible. Let's just sit down and let's open it up. Now, you're going to have a choice here. You're gonna follow along and you're gonna just keep being fed the bullcrap that pastors feed you so that you'll be part of the machine that they wanna keep going in playing church. And you're gonna go from one religious institution, Mormonism, into another one, thisism or thatism or Calvinism or Calvary Chapelism or Baptistism or whatever or you're gonna come and understand that Jesus said, God seeks those who want to seek him in spirit and in truth. And nothing comes between you and him, nothing. Not tradition, not your pastor's opinion, not the view of others, not the fellowship with your family, not mommy and daddy's pleasure with you, not Greg frickin' Johnson. None of these cowards. They are cowards, I call them out now. I will name the churches by name, no problem. We're gonna name them by name. We're gonna tell you who the pastors are and we're gonna tell you what they teach. And we're gonna tell you why they're wrong and we're gonna do it on air every week here on Heart of the Matter 2. And you can decide to pull back and say, oh no, 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 too scary, too dangerous. Or you can say, I'm gonna test what that idiot has to say. Just like you did when you were Mormon. Just like you did when you watched Heart of the Matter when we were on Mormonism, you said, oh, bravo, Sean, go get those Mormons. Go get them. You know so much. You're so smart. Oh my gosh, how do you know such things? And now I point it right back at you and you don't trust me because you're a coward. If you're going to be sold out for Christ, damn it, be sold out. And go after the truth and prove, test all things and prove me and everyone else right or wrong. Tithing is a lie. It's a lie. Second coming, done. The Bible, the apostles, Jesus said it and proved it. If they preach to you he's coming back, they're lying to you. Now, I don't mean they're, they're purposely lying to you, though they may be, but they, they conveniently use that fear to keep you in check. If they try to tell you they have authority, that they have some say in your religious spiritual life that you don't, they're lying. If they put you in bondage to their institution, they're liars, they're wolves, they feed themselves. The money-making machine of South Mountain? Give me a break. The show at K2? The the end-time BS of Terry Long and Calvary Chapel? They say I'm dangerous, prove it. Uh, Jason Wallace, he has been after me for years going and going and going. Look, I love them all. I would call them my brother, and I esteem them as better Christians than me. I am a sinner of sinners. But those guys, they need to be called out. And now they're being called out. Come and prove your stuff. Come and show me how we're wrong, Jason Wallace, as you besmirch my name behind my back. But you won't come up to me face to face. This state has been ruled by religion long enough, and you are a great contributor to it now, it's time for that to change. We're gonna wrap up uh, the new Heart of the Matter 2.0 by showing you the introduction that will come before every show now. We used to do Johnny Cash, we've done the railroad tracks, we've done all that. Railroad tracks always play a theme in our introductions. Uh, But before I do that, I wanna make three things clear. Uh, first, the so-called Christian churches of Utah, many of them, uh, especially in the Salt Lake area, have taken, taken exiting LDS people and are placing them wrongly in religious bondage, and which stands in opposition to what Christ came to give, to open the, door, the prison doors, uh, set people at liberty, not bondage. Second, we're going to go after them publicly, uh, by name, not uh, as punishment, but to call them out and to challenge them. I invite any pastor to come up on the show. We'll give them free reign. I'll treat them well. We'll have dialogue, and I want them to tell me why the things they teach can be supported by the Bible. I want them to say on the air how they can support a second coming of Jesus to destroy this earth. I want to know what they say. I want to know what they say about their tithes. And I want to know what they say about their material church approach to the faith when Hebrews clearly teaches that God was once more going to shake everything until the only thing that remains cannot be shaken. And that material religion is a shakeable foundation upon which men cannot trust. You're all invited. Call me. You won't come but I'm just letting you know, you have a free reign here to defend your position. I wanna know from Paul Roby at South Mountain why he has to build million dollar edifice and petition for money week in and week out for those people who come in to be fed. I wanna know, Roby, why do you have to have that money? I wanna know why Terry Long preaches tithing to people, why he puts the fear of God and says Jesus is coming at any minute and preaches the Bible with a newspaper in his hand. I wanna know why there are concerts with fog machines and rock stars holding their arms up like they're Jesus in front of people at K2, and the show, why they're charging people for their damn coffee, why it's a money-making machine. I wanna know about their mission trips. I wanna know about the money they collect to feed the starving Africans and how much they skim off the top. Come on, let's let's step up to the plate. Defend your faith. Give every man an answer for the hope that is in you. I want to hear it. You've had your five years of reign. You haven't been contested at all. I'm ready now. And I want to hear how you can do this to people who need freedom in Christ. Finally, without any hesitation, any embarrassment, I publicly proclaim That here at campus, we have the best approach to Christianity on the face of the earth. I say that unabashedly. Test me. Try me. See what we offer. See what we can feed you. See what you'll be fed freely and without cost at a real Christian church. And not at these people who play church. We invite you to come and join and be free in Him completely free in Christ Jesus. And if not, we want to empower you through this show to challenge your pastors, to free those people and to free your family and friends from these things that hold you bound. Out.